0: Hi, welcome back to Ayan Chats. Please make sure you're following on social media Twitter, Ayan Chats, Instagram, Ayan Marian to stay updated and to know when new episodes are coming out. Please enjoy the following episode. Uh, It's okay. How's it going for you?
1: Yeah, I'm great. Thank you.
0: Okay, uh, welcome to our podcast. So introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, my name is Ali, and uh, I'm originally from Worcester, but I'm working in Birmingham right now. So, I'm actually selling drugs. Well, not actually drugs, but I'm pharmacist <laughs> Um But, yeah, no, I do a lot of volunteering work. So, I work with um, a lot of charity groups, like Hooserset, mm-hmm. Muslim Huns, uh, but also working along with the Sikh community too, um, in delivering food for the homeless. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And how do you guys get the food to deliver to the homeless? Do you make it at home or do you get like shops to donate to you?
1: Exactly. So we have like an offer in place. Um, So for example, like Briyani, which is like Asian spicy rice, uh, we have it like on a discount. So they sell it to us for about one pound for a small container. So what we'll do for about 50 pounds, we'll get 50 small containers. um, And it's quite hot and it's nice. um, So we can easily then hand them out to the homeless.
0: Okay, and if anyone is listening, like where can they find you, like handing out the food?
1: <laughs> uh, well, you've got to be careful, right? <laughs> Safety first. Um, but no, no, I definitely, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have social media as much, but Instagram, of course, I think is side02, so that's S Y E D 02. Um, or obviously, if they want to get in touch through you, by all means. Okay,
0: cool. So um, today we're going to discuss homelessness. Yeah. And on Instagram, I've asked people a few questions on, like whether they think homelessness is increasing in Birmingham, and everyone answered yes. And from obviously, you know that because you hand out food to the rough sleepers and stuff. Mm. But do you think it's increasing on a national level as well?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to be fair. Like, I think what we sort of hear about when we hear about homelessness, um, because you know, it becomes so. It talked about on a daily basis, you know, it's the, the shock factor, it loses its shock factor. Um, but I think the reality is, is that it is increasing. And I think we don't need to look at facts to know that. I think sort of simply walking down the high street, you will, you know, there's, there's a very, very good chance that you will see at least two or three homeless people, you know, occupying one street. So, um, you know, I think these are sort of like warning signs, um, because it is becoming so visible yet people aren't acting if that makes sense. So
0: yeah.
1: if people weren't acting in the first place, now because it's becoming so, you know, spread, spreads like uh, spread out throughout, you know, city centre, people aren't selecting. acting. So what needs to happen in order to make people realise that this is becoming a pandemic? Um,
0: that's true, but a lot of people relate think homeless people are drug addicts or they're people that were down on their luck but they don't realise that some of these people um it's because maybe like they couldn't afford their housing anymore, um their benefits were cut or they probably left an abusive relationship. Yeah. So they need to bear in mind like there are there's a lot of reasons as to why you can become homeless.
1: Exactly. and
0: it's not just the people that we see on the streets, there's people as well, like with kids that are Homeless in hostels and bNBs so or in temporary accommodation yeah so yeah. there's there's children going through this as well yeah. so people need to change their um the negative percep the negative perception on homelessness and rough sleepers needs to change
1: mm. yeah no definitely I agree I agree um and I think like you, know, you, you touched upon for example you know, putting your putting putting yourself in the shoes of a homeless person so You know, even with myself, Mm -hmm. I'm more than guilty. Like when I first came to Birmingham, um, living in Worcester, so Mm -hmm. it's a countryside area, we don't really get much homelessness up there. Uh, But coming to Birmingham Mm -hmm. for the first time, sort of seeing homelessness at such a large scale, um, at first I was really scared. So when I would walk past a homeless person, for me, I would steer clear. I would cross the road um, because I think that they're dangerous, you know, they deal with drugs, alcohol, they're violent. Gradually, through sort of developing that connection and starting to take part in these voluntary um, homeless food drives, for example, um, when I started speaking to these people, now the thing is, homeless people, they are humans and we should never sort of dehumanize them. Yeah. Each person has a story to tell. And only when I started talking to different homeless people that Mm -hmm. we realized that there's there's more that that there's more than just what meets the eye
0: yeah that's true
1: so you know these issues that we we talk about um for example taking drugs um or alcohol abuse now for us when we see them and it's a shame that we only associate these things with them um we need to sort of again put ourselves in the shoes and see okay so why are they taking now as a you know as a as a, sorry, did you want to say something?
0: Oh, no, I, was, I was going to say, like, I was going to answer the question as to why they're taking those drugs. Yeah, go it, it. Could, it could be because um, they may have went through, like, trauma, like childhood trauma, like child abuse. Exactly. Um, it could be, like, they, they could be depressed or anxious and it could be, like, to numb their pain or their symptoms. Exactly. Because like, a lot of people, they turn to drugs in order to cope. They do,
1: they do. And that's
0: one thing that we need to remember. 100%.
1: 100%, you know, and it linked me back to time when I was uh, at university and I was walking back and I saw this homeless man, he was mid-aged, he was slumped against the wall and his trousers were absolutely mm-hmm. soaked and there was flies just swarming around him. And I looked at him and he had a, a beer bottle um, in his hand and he had like uh, like cannabis, like some sort of like cigar or a spliff of some sort and smoking it. And I walked past him and then I stopped and I had to turn around because I just felt so curious but then i felt so you know a lot of empathy i wanted to know what why he's doing that and what's led him to be like what he is now so when i spoke to him you know he talked to me about his own past and he talked about how he had his own business his family he had children and he lost everything mm-hmm. you know because of his mental health illness he had depression and his wife left him and everything started crumbling down so like you talked about trauma you know for him to yeah. get that past and for him to sort of move on he's relying upon these substances to help him cope um and
0: I just felt... and um i think that um these mental health fact- these these mental health factors are in- um increasing because they're closing down they're closing our clinics and there's not enough um support out there for people with mental health issues especially um, schizophrenia, or you know, like the taboo ones, like people would yeah. admit that they have depression and anxiety. They won't admit like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I think like there's so many factors we can talk about here. I mean, like the first mm-hmm. one that comes to mind is before jumping to that is you know let's look at our the family dynamics that we're living in today. You know, social media, technology. Um, it's really cut us off from social contact, one only has to look in the train, for example, when you're sitting down, is that everyone's got their phone out. You know, fifty, sixty years ago people would be talking to one another. Um when you look at, you know, certain family structures, you know, you know, a kid would come back home and straight away he'd jump onto his gaming console. or mm-hmm. he'd have in his hands. Um and what's happening is that contact between the family members is eroding. So we're shutting yeah. us off now obviously the consequences of shutting yourself off is that by reducing the limit of contact you're unable to offload whether you've had any sort of negative feelings or you know you've had a bad day for example you know if you're shutting yourself off you can't offload these issues Um, and then obviously then this results in mental illness now Mm -hmm. and yeah stuff like depression and stress now when we look at facilities to accommodate people who are mentally unwell you know you have to then look at the government you know you know we, we're, we're both psychology students and uh, I mean I did my placement I'm in an NHS clinic
0: mm-hmm. and I'm
1: sure you did something along the lines
0: too. Um, I did a study abroad placement so I wasn't I didn't really experience like mental health clinics or the psychological side of things.
1: Okay cool that's um,
0: fine. But obviously I have like I have I have a cousin who was a, a, he's basically a drug addict right. and I know like how it affects how it affected him and I, yeah. I kind of know what caused it because his family dynamics were really, they were really messed up.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then
0: until he was actually a, he well, I still he's still kind of my favorite. He was actually a very very like nice person, like good hearted, good hearted person. But because of what he was dealing with, that's what he's t- well, that's what he turned to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yes, yeah, and the thing is like we have to then like look, you know why why aren't these facilities in place? Like mental health by itself is. It's such an important, you know, factor
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we overall health, whether that's mental well-being or, and, you know, the government doesn't have, you know, enough funding for these facilities and services. So, you know, literally, like, during my time when I was in my placement here in the NHS, you know, mm-hmm. I saw at least five practices shut down. Now, you can imagine how many people, you know, we're talking over a thousand people who are dependent upon these counselling services, cognitive behavioural therapy, you know, just general, you know, one-to-one conversations. And it, it's, it's definitely becoming a pandemic. It's because mental health still isn't being treated um, as importantly as other issues. So yeah. definitely th- there's, there's different factors to consider. But yeah, mental health, um, especially if you want to talk about in homeless people, well, um, that again is quite, quite evident too.
0: Yeah, if you re- if you've if you've noticed a lot of the rough sleepers are men, yeah. and I've well from from what I've basically ob- ob- mm. um, men don't really express their feelings or if they're depressed or if if they're going through anything, yeah. which can obviously when you know if you're going through depression. You start to not care about yourself, um, you start slacking in other parts of life, like you won't want to go to work and stuff like that. Yeah. Then obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a downhill spiral from there. So it, it makes sense like the relationship breakdown, losing a job, losing the business. Yeah. And then that's how they end up in that in that situation. So we need to also do something about the taboo that men could be men and like they can't express their emotions and their feelings. And exactly. like we need to get rid of that. I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know what it is like that yeah. that kind of mindset.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you talked about taboo and like literally like, you know, it strike chords with me because when I think about taboo, I think about culture. Yeah. Like myself, you know, being Pakistani, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's quite a prominent cultural thing is that men are taught to be, you know, hard. They're taught to be resilient, which I get it. It's good. And I think both men and women should be hard and resilient. But at the same time is that they shouldn't just be this hard persona. They should equally be this emotional, sensitive, soft side which will enable, you know, men especially to sort of offload and relieve those feelings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because, you know, like stuff like midlife crisis, for example, you know, you know, you have these like sort of, you know, stereotypical labels in terms. Midlife crisis, for example, happens because, you know, for example, some people often can't handle cope with that stress, you know, because they're doing too much and they're not they're not focusing, they're not channeling, channeling their, their sort of energy, you know, their thoughts, their feelings in the right direction. So you're right. Um, I think when it comes culturally, there is a very big taboo. Um, and definitely that's something that we, as I guess, you know, the third or fourth generation, fifth generation, um, we need to focus on sort of promoting um, emotions and promoting this sort of equal um, mindset that it is mm-hmm. a, meant to cry. You know, it, it's okay for, you know, women in certain cultures at to work to, to go out. You know, we need to get rid of these, you know sort of traditional taboos
0: yeah because in the long run it's gonna have an impact on everything from family to your job yeah to even your physical health you know how the nhs isn't funding like mental health problems yeah they need to bear in mind like these mental health issues can affect your physical health as well
1: exactly like
0: it can show it can manifest physically so mm-hmm. if you're depressed like you can your immune system weakens as you know like from psychology and stuff yeah your immune system's gonna weaken if you're anxious. You're always on like fight or flight mode, yeah. and then that would also weaken your immune system because of the increased cortisol and stuff. Then eventually, you're just gonna get ill. Like you'll be more you'll be more prone to diseases. So mm-hmm. then, if they do focus on mental health, issues and uh, mental health like part of the NHS, mm-hmm. then it'll also benefit the other like fact like well, not factors but the other mm-hmm. se- sections. Yeah. Like they won't have as many issues and as many people getting sick and they'll save some money.
1: Exactly, exactly. And then sort of like linking this back to homelessness, um, you know, like these facilities, these services should be available to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Whether they're poor, whether they're rich, you know, regardless of you know, their culture, their creed, their backgrounds. Um, yeah, definitely. The government has failed its people and they have failed to provide that service. Um, so that's something that definitely needs to be addressed, and again, who's it down to it's down to us we We need to stand up and really create that awareness about mental yeah. health
0: but first I think at first we need to start internally so within our own communities
1: exactly.
0: and then branch outwards so for example, in the Somali community, I know like if you if you do have mental mental health problems or let's say now like if you're schizophrenic or if you're bipolar um, the first thing they're going to assume is that you're possessed or like you have a gin in you <laughs> yeah. so um we need to educate the people which i think a lot of them are not open like they do want yeah. to like learn yeah. but that's what we need to do like you can't oh, oh they assume like your, your iman's low and they're like you need to pray more or with quran but yeah. Yeah. obviously obviously god god says like if, if there's an illness, there's a cure for it. So you need to go out and help yourself.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Like, we should have walk. Like, we should have faith in God. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, God has given us resources. You know, for example, like, when we pray, you know, that is not only a way to connect to God spiritually, but it's a form of meditation. You know, yeah. uh, talk about or think about yoga, for example, or mindfulness. You know, like, when we channel our energy, it's helping us relax. It's helping us calm down. Um, and it's just so interesting how there are so many things that we do even now that we don't actually reflect upon but are actually helping us with our mental okay. well so it's really interesting um but yeah no definitely i I think fighting that taboo is, is, is definitely something worth worth fighting for
0: yeah um and some of my instagram followers. Mm -hmm. I feel like not everyone is as close minded and thinks like, oh, um, that homeless people are all druggies. Some are saying like um, you can have rehabilitation centres for them or um, open up shelters. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in terms of rehabilitation centres, I think um, the reason why a lot of people don't have access to them is because you have to pay from your own pocket. So um, what can we do to change that? Do you think we should raise awareness or uh, petition for the government to start opening um, government-funded rehabilitation centres for those that can't afford it?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's really interesting. that you know, It's nice to sort of see that being linked back to mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like, firstly, what we need to do is take a step back and sort of see who's to blame. Now, pointing fingers doesn't do anyone any good. You know, whether it's the politicians and their failure to provide these adequate resources and facilities for homeless people, or whether it's our failure as citizens of a community or a society, we haven't been as mindful to actually thought, wait a minute, maybe if we all actually come together collectively, we can actually make a difference. We can actually, you know, message our local MP. You know, and ask them. Look, we want you to. You know, we're gonna we're gonna petition, and we want you to to open up a rehabilitation center in our in our city for homeless people. You know, when the people come together, like when there's this sense of unity, and there's this one purpose or one goal, you know, things can be done. So, yeah, I think looking from sort of a broader point of view, who's to blame? And I think everyone's as guilty, in my own opinion. Um, but when it comes to shelters and, you know do homeless people have a roof over their head? Well, again, we need to look at the facts. You know, um, since 2011, over 134%, so 134% Mm -hmm. um, have been rough sleeping. So that's how many people have been, there's been an increase. Um, And that's a very big number. That's literally double the amount, if not more. Um, So are these, are there enough shelters? Um, Are there enough facilities available for these homeless people? And what happened, I mean, is simply providing a roof over, you know, like, let's say, let's say these shelters. Now, are these shelters shelters where they will have an opportunity to grow? Will they have an opportunity to be safe? Because, you know, I've worked in a few shelters um, where I've noticed that there's this hierarchy where there's certain homeless people who are bullied and they are picked on, you know, and it's become a sort of environment of survival of the fittest. So it's, it's really sort of um, upsetting to see that, but at the same time, you know, it's natural as human beings for us to adapt, you know, to our situation. Now, if you're talking about rehabilitation, now that's a complete separate thing, because I think it's good that we should work towards helping homeless people reintegrate. Now, there might yeah.
0: be
1: homeless people... That's- yeah
0: Re- rehabilitation it won't just be like getting them off the drugs if they are on drugs because obviously yeah. not all homeless people are going to be on drugs yeah. but it can be as it can also give them life skills and exactly. like help them budget their money or show them how to save and yeah. to prior- prioritize like let's say like they should prioritize like their rent yeah. or give them other life skills for like in order for them to find a job it can yeah. be like stuff like that
1: exactly exactly so um, i think definitely like rehabilitation shouldn't be seen just as okay to your alcohol abuse your drug abuse even though that may be the case in a few um but yeah definitely providing skills helping them reintegrate back into society i think that's definitely um something that's quite important i guess yeah
0: and oh, to build their confidence because you know um i, I try to i try to Hello, can you hear me? Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: I'm here. Yeah. So I had I had a call come through. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of um the rehabilitation part, I mean, yeah. um, yeah. I feel like we should also build their confidence. Cause I feel like a lot of homeless people, their their self-esteem and their confidence is gone. Yeah. Just like, or they avoid looking.
1: Yeah, and you know, you can...
0: cause they're like looking.
1: And I think you're right, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes, you know, having your hand out and begging for money, you know, it, it's, it's degrading, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and people ignoring it as well.
1: Exactly, exactly. Or
0: people not giving you eye contact. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, some people throw it that way, but um, yeah, no, you're right. You know, it, it's the whole point of dehuman, dehumanizing that person,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, um, and it's not right. You know, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't forget those who need our help.
0: I know because to be honest it's it's down to luck like you might end up in their position one day you never know
1: exactly exactly
0: okay um should we move on to our Instagram followers um they also wanted to touch on Islamophobia right um so do you have anything
1: yeah I do I do um I have quite a bit actually to say but um What were some of the comments that you got with um, your Instagram followers?
0: Um, What to do with homelessness?
1: Uh, Well, are we moving on to Islamophobia? Or are we sticking on homelessness?
0: Okay, um, for the homelessness, the other comments that I've got...
1: Yeah.
0: Of course, this increase in... um, ...budget costs. They cost. probably put a lot of people in awkward situations or um, situations they can't get out of because not everyone like, not everyone takes takes advantage of the government. Some people actually need the benefits that they're getting. Yes. And another one that I've got is vote Labour. So they think that the Labour government can fix the situation that uh, the country's in. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um,
1: yeah, no, like, like I said, you know, like we, we have to, again, so, Take everything with, you know, a take a step back and sort of analyze each statement. Because you know, like for example, you know we talked about housing. For example, like shelters. Um, yeah. Did you know that over eleven thousand homes um, have been empty for over ten years? Eleven thousand homes. Now we're talking about unoccupied, vacant housing. Now potentially, if the government wanted, they could have moved in at least some of these homeless people into these houses. Right. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard about those houses, um, rich Russian or Arab uh, millionaires tend to buy them and then just keep them empty. Yeah. So I feel like the government doesn't want to, like, they're getting money from this because obviously these people are buying the houses, but they don't want to lose profit as well by exactly. making these people give up these houses and then letting people, vulnerable people move in who will obviously need, like, the benefits and stuff, so they won't really be paying their rent. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I feel like they want to keep it empty.
1: Mm-hmm. Which yeah, isn't no. good, mm.
0: but obviously this government cares more about money, to be honest, than people.
1: But well, there we go; it's profit, isn't it? Like we are living in a capitalist society, so you know everything is driven by money, and then competition. Um, you know there was that one point you made in terms of you know vote vote Labour. Mhm. So now again, it it goes back to you know are we waiting for Labour to come into power to solve the problem, or will we actually? Stop depending on other people and just address the issue here and now. So it goes back to being as part of a collective society. What are we doing? Um, and I just wanted to sort of like, just talk about, you know, like, for example, food wastage. Yeah. Over like 8.4 million people in the UK, they struggle to to get food. Like they struggle, they go to bed hungry. And like, again, I say 8.4 million. It sounds just like a number.
0: Uh, yeah. Does that include families as well?
1: Exactly. It does. Okay. So regardless, it, it's, a, it's a number, but it's big. And I feel like when everything's being um, quantified, you know, the, the impact that shock it disappears. But you need to think that each person is an individual um, and they are a human. So mm-hmm. what are we doing? Um, you know, let's talk about food waste, for example. You know, when we go out, we, we lavishly spend like, you know, 12, 13 pounds on a steak. Um, and there are often some people who are given literally think around 30 pounds um per week to purchase all their meals um their clothing everything and these people are literally living on a poverty line you know um it's really shocking that some areas that you won't even imagine are in the uk you know you go to some of these areas the windows are smashed literally doors are coming off hinges you know it, it's literally like a war zone um and and it's, it's something that again are we are we allowing ourselves to to really explore what poverty Mm -hmm. are we selectively looking at okay so because i can see homeless people on the street you know that's the only sort of poverty for me
0: yeah and that also links into you know the north and south divide yeah yeah so um these houses that you're talking about that are smashed or the doors are coming off hinges they're mostly in the north yeah and it's because um the, the government barely funds anything in the north they focus most of their funding in the south exactly um, and then there's also um, the schools have to provide breakfast to the kids. And sometimes that's the only meal, depending on if their parents have their benefits cut off yeah. or um, they have to go to food drives mm-hmm. to like get like cans of beans and stuff. Yeah. So it, you're right. It's not only the, the people that we see on the street, you never, you never know your own, your own neighbor might be suffering, but in the society, no one really knows like what's happening like in the house next door to them.
1: Exactly exactly so yeah like definitely i think it's down to us to, to make that difference um so like you know when it coming back to sort of food being wasted you know yeah. over two million tons of food is wasted you know every year by the food industry and again yes it's a quantified number but just imagine two million tons like how many people you know that that amount of wasted food benefit you know let's
0: yeah
1: sort of thing um,
0: that's true. We can do um, well. I don't know how we can do it, but if in France, for example, you know, like um, grocery stores or restaurants, well, I heard it on social media. They, in the way, at the end of the day, all the food that's left over, they're not allowed to throw it away. They need to give it to the to the needy. So I think that should be like an initiative that we can implement in this country.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, you know what? I mean, there was this one app. I was looking into, um, it's quite recently, it's called Olio, so O-L-I-O it's on your app store, it's up on Google, um, it's like one of those like, sort of revolutionary food sharing apps So mm-hmm. sort of overcome you know food being wasted and people going hungry um, what people have done, so they've come together and they've thought of this idea where you have this application where if you have any food lying in the fridge um, that you're not going to use or it's going to go wasted the next day they literally take a picture of that food and then they message anyone uh, locally that, hey look there's food in my fridge I'm not going to use it if you want it come on over and you can take it um, and local local shops have started doing that too so it's a beautiful initiative and can you see like because obviously politicians are failing to do their job you know people mm-hmm. come together to think of this idea where food can be well can be prevented from being wasted um, and you know people can be fed you know so I think this is great this is a great initiative
0: yeah that's a great idea but Um, you don't really hear about it. It needs to have, like, more advertising or more limelight, for example, instead of seeing these stupid adverts on, like, the same perfume every single time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think, you know, like I said, it just just boils down to the society that we live in. You know, you talked about how money, you know, what drives decisions, and that's true, you know. Um, So this is something that we need to do. I don't feel like we should give up. What we need to do is we need to take that power back from those politicians and we need to put that power people. Mm-hmm. We need to empower ourselves. But through empowerment, let's help one another. Let's not try to, you know, once we have that power, sort of forget our, our roots. Not Let's not forget where we've came from um, and let's help yeah. get on that same level.
0: Yeah, because the only way for everyone to get to the top is if you help each other.
1: Exactly. Um, and you know, it's amazing because... You just said that this quote just hit my head was um I read it somewhere it's, it's man or woman
0: <laughs> Wait, can you repeat, repeat it because it's kind of cutting off
1: <laughs> no, 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 I am getting used to it now um yeah so it's it's nice that you said that about you know everyone sort of you know being in it together. I read this yeah. quote um where it, it mentioned how man and woman is either your brother or sister in faith or your equal in humanity, so when I look at that is that Either if it's for a religious purpose or if it's just as a human being, you know we are brothers and sisters on this planet, um, and we have to look after one another.
0: Yeah, um, there's another thing as well. Um, you know, like a stick, for example.
1: Yeah.
0: Alone, you like you can snap it, but if you mm. have like a group of sticks together, and you yeah. try to snap it, it won't snap. Like basically, you're stronger. To- it basically means you're stronger together.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I think. It- you know, beautiful, just to sort of give a quick shout out to these these initiatives that certain charities have done that I have worked with. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, with be um, aware. So Penny Appeal, they it was just during I believe it was during Ramadan, they were doing that um, cake cake sale where people would purchase a chocolate cake off them for let's say ten pounds, and all money would go directly um, to helping feed the the poor and supporting those in need.
0: Yeah, I've heard about that.
1: Yeah, and it was also. Another beautiful initiative that was done by Who's Usain. And what they did was that they got two barbers to come onto the streets and give the homeless free haircuts. Okay. And I think something so simple, something so beautiful, like offering free haircuts to the homeless, you know...
0: It'll help, like, get their self-esteem and their confidence back.
1: And maybe maybe apply for a job, you know. Um, it's it's the most sorts of things that make the biggest differences.
0: It's true. You know... Um... It reminds me of this um, like story that I read on Twitter about this um, girl. She invited this homeless guy back. Like Obviously not. Like She, was, she didn't live alone. She lived with her family. Yeah. And then she, he, she was like, oh, you can take a shower at my house and stuff like that. Yeah. And then he went to her house, took a shower. They gave him some food. And then um, that that day he had an interview. So I think they had a conversation and he told her they he had an interview, which is why she invited him over. And then once he had a shower and stuff, he borrowed her last clothes. And then he went to, to his interview. He came back and he was like, "I got the job." And then he started like saying, "Like, oh my god, um, I thank God that I met you guys and stuff like that."
1: Yeah.
0: So a little stuff like that can change someone's life.
1: Exactly, exactly. But then you have to think like, are people at that stage where they're going to be open to inviting a stranger to their house? Uh,
0: yeah, but you need to think about there's another side. You don't know mm. if what people are worried about is you don't know if you what kind of person you're inviting. Exactly. Cause Imagine, like, let's say, okay, this sounds crazy, but let's say if you invite him over, you think he's nice, then he murders you. Everyone's gonna blame you for inviting like someone to your house from off the street. Exactly,
1: exactly. And I think, like, common sense should always prevail in any situation. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that, you get that intuition, you get that vibe when you meet someone. Um, but it, it's hard. It's it's really hard to sort of have that balance. But you know. God bless. You know what what they what that family says for that homeless person. that, that must have been a life changing experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and let's say now, if well, Muslims now we're kind of embarrassed. Not all of us, but most of us, we don't really do much for the community or for society. Yeah. Which, which is, which obviously, you know, like there's increased in Islamophobia now. But the fact that yeah. we don't really show Islam and the the benefits that it has to society. We don't really help the homeless or we don't like go out and socialize with like other people. And you know you know that
1: I'm
0: trying to say in the English pronunciation that's the one. Basically um you're supposed to show it through your actions. You're not supposed to stand there on the street and shout at people and be like, oh my God, you're wrong blah blah blah. Yeah. And the fact that we're not really showing anything through our actions, we're just sticking to ourselves. Yeah. We we now that i think about it we can't really complain about islamophobia because we're letting the media portray us in that light but we're not doing anything to Mm. like go like to counter counter it if that makes sense
1: yeah it does it does and i think like you you put your staff in the shoes of someone who's a non-muslim and they wake up every morning to this news channel that is constantly you know feeding out this anti-muslim you know hate campaign you know Mm -hmm. This person who's never met a Muslim in his entire life will assume to himself that I know what a Muslim is because the news or the media has told me that, one, they're barbaric, they're violent, you know, they've got big beards, they're, you know, aggressive, stay away from them. So then naturally, even if they don't want to openly express this, that indirectly um, has an impact on their mindset. So then if they do come across a Muslim in the street, they're more likely to steer clear away from this person because what they've heard on the news it's gonna have a direct impact. Yeah,
0: how- and even even if they, you know, um, even if they're not racist, or even if they don't think they're racist, or if they're not homophobic, or they don't think they're homophobic. Remember that test that in social psychology where you do that test, and then it shows like what you're. If you are like in, subconsciously like racist, or you yeah. don't know, but so because of the media like probing and priming, priming their minds, they might not know, but they might just be scared because of that.
1: Exactly. And I think fear really plays a big part here. And that's why, like, you know, when you were talking about how we're not, as Muslims, we're not actively doing enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Think,
1: like when you, for example, talk about, um, let's talk about, for example, barriers, breaking down those barriers. You know, are we doing enough to integrate with other cultures and other faiths? No. <laughs> exactly. You know. Um, like let's look at our own communities, you know we we've become so comfortable living in our own little areas where we have our own shops, you know, and it's like you know like a mini Pakistan or you know like a mini somalia um,
0: yeah
1: somalia. <laughs> <laughs> so you know like we have we have we allowed ourselves to become so comfortable, and are we okay with these barriers? Are we okay being in our own little communities because I think the short term effects of this is maybe fine, okay everyone's having a good time, you know, you feel, you don't feel as out of place in society, but in the long run, you know, our future generations, um, they're going to grow up in a society where there's going to be a lot of hate, there's going to be a lot of division, there's going to be a lot of oh. hate and, and violence.
0: Yeah, and that links to another point. You need to They need to, okay, yeah, um, obviously I'm from Birmingham and we have areas that are like majority, like ethnic minorities, like Muslims, stuff like that, and then you do feel comfortable in that. But then you need to realise that once, like, your kids and stuff go to uni and then they're integrating the workplace, they're going to be an even bigger mi- minority. Exactly. And if if and if they don't know how to communicate with those people or how to get along with them or yeah. how to show them, like, what a Muslim really is, they're going to struggle.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it's, it's just interesting because, like, obviously, the values that we are brought up with, and I'm talking about religious values as a Muslim, you know, again, how do we portray ourselves? Because I'm very certain that the more better we portray ourselves as individuals and let our actions speak louder than words, you know, the more better our faith will come across to others. Um, So whether that's even speaking in a nice manner, you know, making eye contact, you know, engaging in friendly conversation, you know, simply smiling. You know, again, we talked about the most smallest of things make the biggest of differences. And I think, again, you have to look ahead. So like, you know, you look at some of our youth today and you see a lot of them on the streets uh, whether they're wasting time, you know, as they say, hanging, chilling out, hanging about. But Mm -hmm. they're not doing any justice for themselves and they're going to get in some more trouble, you know, involved in a lot of sort of um, anti-social crime and, you know, So what can we do to ensure that, you know, our future generations um, are guided in the right way, you know,
0: yeah, in in terms of the youth, though, you know, like we need to mentor them because we need to bear in mind that some of our our households they're obviously cultural and they don't really communicate with each other and they don't communicate their feelings. So most of these like youth, if they're causing trouble, is the way they're um, expressing like their problems. Like it's like they're kind of rebelling. So if we have like good examples for them, or if with with us guys, like we're like obviously with each generation to be more open-minded than your parents we can help them out like we can give them advice and stuff like that Mm -hmm. like for example the stuff they can't talk to with their parents like let's say some guys and then um they they need like a male mentor like if like i can't explain like let's say like their parents never went to uni and that child wants to go to uni but they they come from a rough like area and they don't know who to turn to for advice or they don't know what to do we need like good
1: male mentors to help them out if that makes sense it does it does i mean you're right definitely like that guidance is important and i think you know when we look at ourselves we have to be those role models we have to be those mentors because you know we look at our parents and you know for some it may depend they were born here but for those who obviously came from another country Mm -hmm. their their sort of views and their upbringing is very very different to the society that we live in and i Cases that certain traditional practices, you know, and child upbringing, is not as adaptable, and it's not it's not know,
0: their life in the home and their life outside the home is in a clash basically. Exactly. So they're gonna struggle to like, you know, in terms of their identity, they're not yeah. they're not gonna know like who they are. Like, am I more British? Am I more, um, for example, whatever they are. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's funny because it keeps linking back to sort of empowerment and enlightening yourself you know in islam it says you know seek knowledge from the cradles of the grave and Mm -hmm. even with our own like i'm sure with other religions too but within our own you know religious teaching you know knowledge and education has been you know given so much importance and you can see why because it's not just you know getting a job but in general as a person you know when you learn and you teach and you develop as a person you grow you're your thought process, the way you see life, um, it, you become open-minded. You know, mm-hmm. you more adaptable and you become more understanding, you become more reasonable. So a lot a lot of things develop as you start gaining more knowledge, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And if like you said, these youth start are causing trouble, if they have people that are understanding and open-minded to turn to, mm-hmm. then that can also t- tackle that topic that we were talking about, Islamophobia. So there'll be less crime, um, there'll be less like burglaries, as you were saying,
1: uh, yeah.
0: delinquency. Then, if they see like, then obviously the Muslims like they'll they'll change their view on Muslims if they see them just becoming like better people in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was looking at this documentary, um, and it was talking about um, basically minorities living in Switzerland. And uh,
0: I think I saw that. Well, I saw a little bit.
1: Do you know what it's about?
0: Um, they they're calling areas like no, no go zones. Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: So can you see like how for someone who's maybe a non-Muslim or you know a European, a white European, you know how how scary must that be within their own country? Certain areas have become no go zone areas because of you know these ethnic minority groups. Whether the media is over exaggerating that. Um, or which actually, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good news for them,
0: isn't it? But, yes, because okay. neg- bad news sells. about... Exactly. um, well, what 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 was the documentary like? Yes, yeah, apart sorry. from the part that I saw, which was they were saying like there's increased gun crime and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, what what was it about?
1: So, no, so the part that I saw was um, basically you had, so from the minority groups, you actually had the mothers, you know. Uh, who would basically, at mm-hmm. night, they would go out in groups, of like four or five, and they would go and speak for youth, and they would basically tell them to sort of go back home, or they'd prevent them from fighting, committing crimes. So it was sort of lovely to see that even the mothers were taking an initiative to stand up to this, um, you know, anti-social you know, social crime, and trying to give that youth, or those youth, you know, an opportunity to, you know, prevent another crime, which might be, you know... One step closer towards jail, for example, you know, or career. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that they are starting to take more steps towards being more involved, you know, with it.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and I think that's that's a beautiful example.
0: Yeah. So we just we need to take action. Like we obviously we everyone has ideas and they speak about it, but yeah. at the end of the day, we need to actually do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and I think that, that that sort of like resonates quite well. Whether that's homeless trying to end poverty um, or trying to you know reduce the number of people who go to bed without a meal, you know mm-hmm. what are we doing to take those steps when it comes to islamophobia, you know again, what are we doing because yes, like and you know this is something that I thought about that, you know like when we looked at racism, for example you know,
0: yeah
1: you know exen- xenophobia, so the, the phobia of a different culture or people of a different background you know,
0: yeah
1: put yourself in their shoes. You know, what's going through their mind. Because you know, when we're when we're born in this world, we're not born to hate. No one's born to hate. You know, God's instilled basic emotions like love. You know, you put a white baby and a black baby and a brown baby together, you know, they will hug, they'll kiss, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they won't start fighting because we're not born to hate. But because of sort of misformation, you know, misconceptions, you know, this hate um sprouts. That's where it develops. So you know, put yourself in their shoes. They have fear. They're scared of these Muslims that are scary and violent, you know, and terrorists that the famous (laughs) T-word. I
0: hate that word, man. I
1: know, know, but I guess we're used to it now, right? We've become desensitized. But, like, how do we address that? And, And I think dialogue is really important. Like, violence doesn't take, doesn't go anywhere. You know, it doesn't resolve anything. So having dialogue, discussing, and trying to, clear up any misconceptions i think that's a good way forward
0: yes true and we also you know the main argument that we use is that they only they always say muslims are terrorists but if a white person does the same thing they say like he's mentally ill and stuff i don't feel like the argument's working we need to come up with like another way to get these people like to become more open-minded and to understand like that that word is actually dehumanizing Muslims in
1: our... It, it is, yeah. Um, and, it, it, yeah, it's from, from our point of view, it's not bad, But, again, like, we need to look at the factors, look at the media. And, again, we talk about every day they're, they're propagating this anti-Muslim bias and associating terrorism and violence and suicide bombing with Muslims, you know. Mm-hmm. But we have to then look at, you know, Certain incidents where white people, you know, if you look at, for example, I believe it was in Norway, there was a fellow called Andrew Brevet and he, yeah, yeah, and he massacred over, I believe, it was like over one hundred and fifty students. Um, and again, you know, that was not labelled as a terrorist attack; it was labelled as a massacre. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so interesting how you know certain words,
0: yeah, and um, such a
1: different. To
0: I know and it's I find it interesting as well the fact that when when someone like that person, like that white person that you said does something like that, mm-hmm. they say it's a mental illness. But if a Muslim does it, they don't yeah. think about the fact that there's so many Muslims out there that don't do that, they're living normal lives, but that one person, for example, let's say like he ran, that used a lorry or something to run over people, yeah. they don't consider the fact that he might be mentally ill to wanna kill that much that many people but they just automatically assume it's to do with religion, even though the majority of the Muslims are peaceful. I
1: know, I know. And like, it's just, one of the things is that they, when it comes to certain races, they like to they, they like to uh, shift that blame, not on just that individual, but the whole religion that that person may be part of, you know, mm-hmm. other areas, or other races. It's just that person only. And it, they won't generalise it to his faith or his identity. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, there's other instances, for example, like in the UK here. Um, I don't know if you heard about those grooming cases up in Yorkshire.
0: Yeah, I've heard about that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, you've had these Asian men. Now, I'm not going to say Muslim Asian men, but just Asian men who, you know, groomed over a thousand young white girls. Now, for me, that's, that's you know, obviously disgusting and needs to be condemned at the most highest level. Now, mm-hmm. if you say that they are Muslim Asian men, like that would, I, I wouldn't be able to say that because nowhere in Islam does it permit, you know, such atroc- atrocities to be committed, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I can't say that they're Muslim Asian men, but I will say yes, Asian men. And they, you know, you look at these these individuals, you look at how uneducated they are. So, like, they don't have a strong educational background. You know, their upbringing hasn't really been the best so somewhere along the lines you know things have gone downhill and then they've resorted to these sort of disgusting acts so uh, look, looking back you know education plays a role not only in enlightening one person but also staring them in the right direction but at the same time you know when we when we sort of call ourselves muslims we it's not just by name it's through values and like you said yeah, need- definitely yeah
0: but you know, in terms of the grooming thing i are talking about, mm. um, we we need to realize that if some, someone in the community obviously has to know, and they need, they need to raise like like the alarm and yeah. condemn, con- condemn them instead of like staying silent. Because I realize in a lot of like Muslim cultures, when it comes to like sexual abuse and stuff like that, they just stay silent. They don't exactly. do anything.
1: Exactly, exactly. And see, and then we can we can link this back to, for example. Segregation and barriers because we're so stuck in our communities, you know. Even if we wanted to go, who would we speak to? Because we haven't established much relationships or contacts with, you know, other communities or other individuals of different colors or creed or background. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you're right when it comes to sort of like honor and pride. You know, if a son has committed so and so acts, it's better that we keep it quiet so our dignity as a family isn't affected. Um,
0: and again, Even though, which is, I find that stupid because everyone knows it is affected undercover, but yeah. no, one's, no one's saying anything. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's ridiculous because you need to think about the victim. You know, their life, their whole life has been
1: pretty much, you know, discarded, it's been demolished, um, you know, yeah. the abuse that they've gone through. And,
0: and yet... And you're saying that the victims were white girls then i think about their families and then the extended families and the extended families yeah they're all gonna hate muslims exactly so like when then it's just
1: gonna spread exactly exactly so like when we look at these you know far-right protests you know english defense league like i look at them yes you know they're, they're saying abuse about you know prophet muhammad peace be upon him. yes that upsets yes, me yeah exactly and, and it upsets me and uh, it, it upsets you it upsets us muslims as general but we need to, at the same time, you know, show, show patience and show tolerance. And we need to sort of understand where they coming from. Because they're not coming from a point where they are just... I mean, why would anyone want to come out, you know, on a hot, hot Sunday's day or a rainy day to protest? There is something that's obviously... And whether it's misconception, whether it's misinformation, or generally, such as a grooming incident, something has triggered them to get off their couch to come out and to protest. Because they feel like, they are under attack you know so they've got this fear so what we need to do that we need to in my own opinion is to have this dialogue be patient mm-hmm. and to talk through it and to then sort of, sort of differentiate between okay so those people they're not asian muslim men they are asian men so maybe somewhere in that culture there is there's been this sort of wrong mindset or upbringing that's where they've gone wrong but it's got nothing to do with islam you know um and then again, what do we need to do? We need to take proactive steps to report these incidents to mm-hmm. ensure that you know if, if a sexual abuse case has been reported, that it's you know it's shared to the right people, like the authorities, for example.
0: Yeah, and the, they also have like the wrong understanding of Islam in terms of they think like Islam mistreats women, and like that's probably then they link it to you know that the, the grooming case, for example. Yeah. So we need to make it clear like. This isn't part of Islam. Like we don't treat women like that.
1: Hundred percent, exactly. And you know, you talked about the sort of interpretation. So you know, we're we're all we're all flag bearers of Islam. You know, when you call a a Muslim, it's your responsibility to be the best role models. Um, yeah. And there's another instance. So I mean, I'm sure you've heard of Wahhabism or Salafism. Hmm. So it's like an extreme form of Islam. Um. And you know, there's been cases where, for example, you know, that's been you know used to disrespect let's say for example war memorials you know, or burning the poppy now yes there's you know in, in wars there are casualties people die and unfortunately you know there's been a lot of wars in the middle east in muslim countries mm-hmm. so that, that's that's definitely something that we're worried about and that that concerns us um but i think at the same time like we have to be a bit respectful being in this country that these people protect us um,
0: yeah and plus in in islam as well you, you're supposed to respect like the country that you're in exactly. and obviously this isn't a muslim country so we can't decide to like act like it's ours like like change like all of their yeah. values and try to dictate their lives and stuff like that
1: exactly um, and
0: you know and, uh... and you with know, um, the salafi one <laughs> um, in birmingham i don't know if you know but there's this what there's they have like a bad reputation i not i don't know all of them i'm not going to say all of them but there was this guy in town as so he um converted to the salafi sect of islam but i don't know if he was taught the wrong way or whatever but he used to stand there and just verbally abuse everyone including me my friends everyone say like your hijab's done wrong. you're basically naked or say like you need to go home and change like even my one of my friends that wore Jilba, who was saying to her you're not wearing it right you need to cover your face and stuff like that like you, you have to literally run from him I so i feel like they're they also portraying like a sam because they're making it look like it's what you just know, disrespect to him because he wasn't talking to no man just every single girl that walked past him
1: yeah
0: i don't know if you've seen him to be honest he's done something hsbc
1: yeah i have i think what you should have done is you should have bought him and you should have bought him in a buyer and you should have told him to demonstrate how to wear one
0: nah i'm not going near him <laughs> he scared me man
1: yeah but yeah no you're right and you know islam is a religion of love you know, like when, when, for example, someone is told, well, when someone wears the hijab, they do it through the love of God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they, they do it through the understanding of God. They don't do it because you know, they're forced. To... And unfortunately, there are certain cases where people have been forced to wear something or believe in something. And you'll yeah. that their actual beliefs aren't as strong. But when someone actually, like look at Convicts, for example, you know, they study that belief before they commit to it. Yeah. And you'll notice mm-hmm. that actual their belief patterns are much more stronger than someone who's actually been born in that religion?
0: Yeah, that's actually true. You know, I've noticed that. But then um, you know, me and Maria yeah. <laughs> basically we were speaking and we were saying that in terms of like Islam and your deen, you're supposed to ex re explore it and like understand it yourself. Like you're not supposed to blindly follow what your parents said and then not research into it. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, always always look at the bigger picture of that. Humanity first and religion. Because religion at the end of the day teaches us how to be a human, right? You know, it's how, yeah. how to be the best of people. Um, so, if anything, it's two in one. So, yeah, always always be the best of people um, and treat everyone with the right respect. So, yeah, I think when it comes back to Islamophobia, um, I think sort of making the effort and really trying to just integrate um and yeah
0: in terms of islamophobia as well there was another trend that i noticed Mm. is that um if they if there are islamophobics like the violent ones they always attack the the muslim women obviously because they're clearly muslim they have the hijab on. they stand out but like i don't know like what we can do to stop that because obviously you can't not take off your hijab. Yeah, so... So do you think educating them on it would stop them or they'll just carry on?
1: Well, like, I mean, you have to, like... Like, let's, let's look at other countries, for example, you know, where they banned the naqab, you know, they banned the, you know, the full burqa, for example. You know, country...
0: Or, or like, France, where they banned the headscarf as exactly. well.
1: Exactly, so they're becoming more and more anti-Islam. Um, yeah. In this country... Where nothing of the sort has happened yet. Um, so, what do we do now? Or you know, honestly, God bless to you know all the Muslim sisters out there. You know, you guys are on the front line because wearing that hijab, you know, not only are you, you know, you're shouting out, "Hey, I'm a Muslim," but you mm-hmm. are, you know, representing a lot of Muslims. And I think it, it can be a bit easy for guys, you know, like Asian guys like myself. Oh hey, are, are you Spanish? Are you Brazilian? No, I'm Pakistani, you know, I'm a I'm a Muslim Pakistani. So it, people people have to ask me to sort of for me to then tell them, okay, no, this is what I am, but for obviously someone who's wearing, you know, a physical, um, religious gear, um, it, it gives that direction. Um so yeah, no. So how do we how do we sort of stop this? Um I think again, education is really important. Um, really sort of making um, a statement that you know islam isn't associated with violence but at the same time that islam is an oppressive and uh, you you know you look at these like common narratives that oh she's forced to wear the hijab or that hijab prevents her from taking part in you know opportunities and i think that's wrong because you know
0: yeah that's but i think um as girls as well we also need to speak up for ourselves and say like Mm -hmm. Like, no one is forcing us if they do listen to us anyway. But then what I'm on about is, like, the actual physical attacks or, like, the verbal attacks. Yep. Like, for example, when I was with my friend in Café Nero, um, there was two guys. And then they they literally just started saying, like, oh, ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. And then he's very fiery. So she was like, what the hell are you yep. saying? And then they go into an argument. Then they basically, you know, that just, like, on your neck, like, I'm going to slit uh-huh. your neck. They did that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm scared of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so like stuff like
1: that. um, Yeah, I mean like that that stuff there is unfortunate. Um and clearly, you know, they're resorting to violence and abuse. Where if anything, you know, they've got something that they should like if they've got a fear, then they should discuss it. Oh, by the way, why are you wearing that hijab for? You know, are you being forced to wear it, you know? Um, because through dialogue these things can be addressed. So for those people who want to resort to violence, I think definitely, you know I mean I'm probably sounding a bit, you know, proactive on this but i think as muslim sisters uh, i think definitely learning you know self-defense is really important um Mm -hmm. and again you know this should be something that your hijab or my religion won't stop me from doing because
0: yeah uh, and as and as a woman in general i think you should learn self-defense
1: 100 um and you know what
0: or as a any as any person to be honest (laughs) yeah
1: definitely but i think definitely for muslim sisters because you know you've had so many incidents like in London on the tube, where you know sisters have been pushed, you know into the, into the onto the tracks in front of the train, you know, um, and you know thankfully like there hasn't been any deaths, but there have been a lot of cases where that's been a case where they've been pushed. Um. So.
0: Yeah. Or like that one where she got punched in the back of her head and then, right. she the, the guy basically knocked her yeah. out.
1: So this is.
0: Stereotypical. It out. is.
1: It is need to do we need to be more proactive because if we're just going to be spectators or we're just going to observe this it's just going to get more worse but if we actually want to do something about this like now's the time to create that awareness now's the time out there mm. process even if it's a small process you're still doing your part and if you may think no one's hearing it but there will always be a few people out there who might have you know the key to the awareness like they might have a social media accounts you know they might know certain people um and then the word can get out you know so yeah.
0: for example like on twitter it's it's very easy to start a movement you just use a hashtag and then depending on it just it'll just spread exactly. that's like where most of the hashtags start which is why i recommended that up to you. <laughs> and, you see,
1: and again like we need to we need to look at the power of social media like social media is so underestimated if you look at how social media is used these days whether that's youtube advertisements um even to like, for example, promote and turn someone into a celebrity overnight, social media is so pl- uh, so important. And it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. If, as a Muslim community, if we were to use the social media to to portray positive images, whether that's charity, feeding the homeless, you know, um, interrelations with different cultures, you know, white communities and you know black Somali communities, for example, like mm-hmm. Pakistani communities working all together. You know, doing, like, Sunday, I don't know, like, charity, like, fairs and, you know, like, little picnics. Like, that stuff is beautiful. And people want to see that. Like, people people see so much negative stuff these days. You know, fun.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like there'll be a lot of people, like, young people that would that would love to volunteer for stuff like that. Exactly. It's just getting it started.
1: 100%. And I think that's all down to us. Just like when we talked about yeah. Olio, that, that food sharing application, okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we as Muslims um, or even non-Muslims but who want to make a difference can come together um, and can bring that change you know we can start integrating we can start including people from different backgrounds and cultures
0: yeah we can going back to the homeless topic we can help the homeless we can help the vulnerable all of this like will actually contribute Mm -hmm. to the other topic reducing xenophobia and showing us in a positive light Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: yeah
1: Cool. I mean, is that is that all the questions um, that your Instagram follows up?
0: Um, any... Well, there was the racism one. So, well, what all that's left is the, the okay. Well, do you know when I was talking about the Islamophobic attacks on yes. the girls? Um, there was the one where she said a guy tried to run her over, oh. <laughs> and then turned around like a demon. Oh. And then there's another one where this, she's saying that um, they tried to fire her from work. Mm. Like undercover, but I don't know how to answer those. In terms of the guy running her over, that could link to the self-defense part or being more vigilant when you're outside yeah. and being more careful. And the fire from work, I just say talk to HR and say they're um, discriminating on discriminating you on your religion. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think that work one's a bit tricky as well because uh, i read write this news article somewhere where there was a similar person, who, sister who was wearing hijab. And she was fired from her workplace, though, so because because her role was custom-facing. Um, the mm-hmm. um, was basically, sorry, the employer was asking them to change their parents to make the customers more comfortable so they'd be more approaching uh, to her. Now, obviously, for her, that's wrong because, you know, it's a hijab. It's a religious, you know, uh, uh, clothing. So that's something that she would be obliged to wear. But I think one of the policies that the government have been recently working on, um, they're they're trying to give the employer more power. So the employer has the right to decide what clothing um, customer-facing employees can wear and cannot wear. So she didn't actually end up winning that case. She left the job because she didn't want to compromise on her faith and her hijab. But it's a bit of a shame to see that it's becoming of a situation now where you know the hijab is being seen as a barrier or as an obstruction uh, which is preventing certain sisters from gaining opportunities and developing you know career ambitions Mm
0: -hmm. which is why i think um we should we should actually work hard to get to like create our own companies as well that way we can give opportunities to those who are being discriminated against exactly for example if you if you notice the jewish community they help each other in every single way yeah yeah their own police and everything
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
0: if if we realize that for example we, we should try but if we realize that there's nothing nothing's really working we should help ourselves we yeah. can't just rely on everyone else
1: exactly exactly and and it just goes back down to what are we doing are we mindful of our right environment you know, are we just going to be passive and let things unfold? Or are we actually going to intervene and try changing things for the better?
0: Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. We've discussed everything.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been quite a, quite a very insightful, long conversation.
0: Yeah. But hopefully it give some people ideas and inspire them. Yeah,
1: definitely. We should definitely give us up because I think... You're really a lot of important topics um, but you're definitely enlightening others and hopefully, yeah, like you said, you know, I'm sure they'll pick up a few ideas and might try doing something of their own
0: yeah, and in terms of those ideas, I think um, we should start we should start something like something to reduce Islamophobia, like I was thinking of something now, my brain's gone blank oh my god, so, I forgot it was but like yeah. a, like a initiative kind of thing where we can show people Islam in a positive light so you were saying yep. a picnic or like mm. some kind of events or mentoring the youth even if they're not Muslims, like, let's help them out
1: Exactly um, like, here for example, in Worcester you know, we've done certain events where we've handed out roses, um, and then we were doing this campaign, it's called um, Make Love Not Hate, so mm-hmm. we'd hand these roses to just random strangers and then we'd attach like a little quote uh, maybe like a hadith from the quran or just maybe like a, like a uh, sort of a, just an open quote saying you know humanity is you know, when everyone's together we're strong when we're together not divided um and it, it's just a beautiful thought you know it's such it's a rose it's such a small thing but when you look at their faces and you see that big smile you know there's been people who you know who tried to hug me you know there's been people who've been like wow you know you, you've made my day so for someone who
0: yeah. and the they can actually see like some Islamic stuff that's not not what they see on the media. Something they'll see in a new light. They might even research on it. You never know.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, like, I don't even have to tell them that I'm a Muslim, but just from what I've done, that can then be associated to my 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 teachings. What am my
0: teachings? Yeah, I never know who who can convert.
1: Exactly, um, or even enlighten. You know, even to you know clear up some misconceptions. Mm-hmm it's these small things um, and I think they definitely do go a long way
0: yeah alright then um, hopefully you can be a guest in future few podcasts yeah. if you have any ideas hello at me yeah, and yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wind it off from here Yeah.
1: thanks yeah. guys
0: for listening <laughs> do you, yep. you want to g- give your social medias before we t- uh, um,
1: go off well um, yeah again uh, Syed S-Y-E-D-0-2 on Instagram and yeah. obviously if anyone has any messages um, I'm sure they can contact you and then you can pass over any contact information, and I'll be more than happy to
0: answer. All right, cool. Right then, thank you for coming on today. You're
1: welcome. Thank you so
0: much. And, yeah, it was an enlightening conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, bless you Keep it up. It's a, it's a good thing to do. All right, cool. No worries. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello, and thanks for listening. Please follow my social media at... Um, on Twitter Ayan Chats On Instagram Ayan Marian It's Ayan with two A's by the way On Curious Cat, If you wanna ask anything Or you know Suggest any topics Ayan Chats And If you wanna follow my Snapchat It's Ayan Yo. Thanks for listening And come back Please Okay safe